0: Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Yeah? Oh, come on. Can you give me something a little bit better than that? Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Yeah, okay. Now we're kind of halfway there. Some of you are still trying to figure out the question, aren't you? So um, I just want you to know that the lady to the right of me here, your left, uh, this is Lindy. She is not the drama queen today, okay? She is actually, we've invited her. She's one of our resident artists here, if you like. And uh, she's going to be working away, she has, and we're going to just ask her about some of her art form at the end because. Um uh, she's actually collecting all of the ideas about happiness this month, and uh, we're going to see what she comes up with at the very end. This thing here, this card, I want you to make you know uh, this your own over the next sort of two weeks, because this would be the week to invite people. We've got the 7th, the 14th, the 21st, and the 25th Christmas Day, but this is about the 14th. And uh, on the 14th, what we're finding is that um, what we'll do is uh, have a great day here in which we're going to tell the Christmas story. So from 10 to 11, we're going to tell the Christmas story. And the good news is the young kids have been working on a dramatization of their own about the Christmas kind of nativity and in a creative way. And they're going to be driving the morning wrapped around with some carols and some items and some clips. And so this would be a great day. Sunday morning for you to invite friends along who mightn't have anywhere to go to hear about the Christmas story. So you can say, Have you got anywhere to go to hear the Christmas story this year? No, why don't you come and join with us because we're going to tell the Christmas story. Why we don't want to keep the good news of Jesus all to ourselves. So that's what that's about. And then afterwards, we've got all of the uh, banquet, the free banquet, and um, all the courtyard's going to be filled with. Jumping castles and playthings and the the real barnyard animals that were there the first christmas yeah we 've got them we 've secured them they 're going to be there as well and uh, it 's going to be just a brilliant Sunday, so you can set that aside the 14th and lee 's going to be looking for some people to help out so you can sign up on the way out this morning as well to help make that day run really, really well. If you want to follow with us this morning, we have our u version. Um, have we got this there? Am I on? Am I going through, Tim? Um, I'm pointing. There we go, version. If you want to follow us this morning and you need a Bible to download, you can do. We're going to look at Matthew um, and the book of Matthew this morning as we continue to unpack this theme of happiness. And just as we begin, I'm going to pray. If you want to join with me, please do. God, I ask here this morning as we're collecting our thoughts that you might meet with us, I ask in this place that we might encounter you afresh. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you have ever turned up to one of these letterboxes, maybe your own letterbox. And a little thought has gone through your mind as you've approached your letterbox. Maybe this is the day when my life will change for the better. Maybe this is the day where I will walk to my letterbox and in that letterbox will be a note, a letter, some information that will transport me out of my ordinary day and make it extraordinary for the rest of my life. I wonder if you've ever approached your letterbox with that hoping wish. Maybe this is the day, finally, someone has recognized my gifts and my skills and I'm being headhunted to go and live in the place I've always wanted to live in to get all the finance that I've ever wanted, and today is the day that that letter has come. Or or maybe you've approached the letterbox and thought, maybe this is the day I'm going to receive the inheritance that I never knew was coming. (laughs) Yeah, mortgage paid off, everything done, here we are, this is the day. Anyone? Uh, I wonder if you've ever approached your letterbox and thought, maybe there's some news coming my way, that if I get that news, then my life will be really different. And so you approach the letterbox with this sense of hope. You see, I think when we've been talking about this whole theme of happiness, we can often live in two different spheres of our lives. There's the past sphere. Uh, things have happened to me, hurts, disappointments, and I uh, build up this sense of anguish about them and I'm living in the past, dwelling, they, they anchor me there. Or we can live in another space where I worry about the future and what will come, so I'm living always in the future. And I have this little formula in my mind that says, if then, if I sort this out, if I get that, then I will be. And you're always living in the future. The reality is, if we live in the future or the past, we can miss right now. In fact, this month, as we've been talking about happiness, where is the good life to be found... And this morning as we're kind of pulling all the pieces together, we've been describing happiness as this rich, full, meaningful life. And one of the key things that so many of the people that are writing about this kind of our philosophers, our psychologists, psychiatrists, even economists, educationalists are saying is that one of the characteristics of people who live happy, enriching, fulfilled lives is that they learn to practice gratitude, that they actually learn to be thankful for what they have. In fact, we've been unpacking the fuel of happiness over this past month, and I want to ask you this morning, as we've been doing each of the weeks, have you found yourself progressively getting happier? I mean, really? Yeah? Anyone? Oh, boy. We're going to go back and we're going to start again, all right? See, because one of the things that we learned really early up from the very beginning was that if you satisfy your wanter, because we're all born with wanters, then intuitively we think that we'll be happy. Uh, If I get something bigger, if I get something better, if I get something shinier, then I will be happier. But what we actually find out is that when we frame up life to be perfect, then it kind of doesn't leave room for all the other things that are just part of life, like disappointment, like Bron was talking about this morning, and he did so, so very well. You see what we need to do sometimes is lower our expectations about life. That's the place to start is that life is hard. And then what, what we learned in the second week was saying no to our wanters, that if I get something bigger, something brighter, something better, shinier teeth, then I will be happy. We actually learned to say no to some of those things that actually don't provide for us that enrichment, that meaning, that sense of satisfaction. In fact, we need to train our wanters to hunt for the good stuff. So I just want to give you the heads up this morning. All right, we're heading into Christmas. I can tell we're heading into Christmas by the looks on your faces. (laughs) We're tired already and we haven't even got to December. Is this true? This is true. Okay, I've got a nod from someone. Is that What you'll find in the next three to four weeks, just heads up, is that you are going to feel miserable at times okay, you will feel miserable at times because you'll be walking through shopping malls, shopping centers, and you'll be tempted all the time. You will be reminded. In fact, whole campaigns are designed for this next month, right, to make you feel yucky. And they will give you the salvation and the answer by saying, if you purchase this thing, you will feel happy, all right? Just heads up. So if you feel miserable this this. You're walking through a shopping center and feeling yucky. Just heads up, it's probably your wanter a little bit out of whack. Wanting something and it's you're going to be tempted to, if I purchase this, then I will be. yeah. If you learn to resist your wanter, I want to suggest that your bank balance will be happier with you. yeah. That will be your salvation along the way. Saying no to our wanters is actually part of learning what it means to a Experience a rich and fulfilling, meaningful life. Okay, so what's the, the first fuel of happiness? Is love. That there is actually a sense within it, it's every human being, that if I have experienced love, I have the capacity to open up myself to other people and to experience healing in my life, and then I have this intrinsic sense that I am worth and valuable. And that if I experience that at my core, that this is really... The greatest fuel to an enriching, more meaningful, satisfying life. In fact, we learned last week that by loving others and serving others out of that space, we can actually, actually experience a greater sense of well-being. And of course, behind this, every week of the month, I've pointed you to the person of Jesus. Jesus. Because I believe that in Jesus, he actually answers intuitively the questions that we're asking about life and where to find a sense of meaning and purpose, that behind the veil of these atoms is a God who loves. There's a God who loves, who has given himself for you so that you might know deeply within yourself that you are of worth, that you are of value, that you are loved. And that when you rub shoulders with God through his son, Jesus, that he pours his love into you so that you can pour it out into others. And I've pointed you to the person of Jesus each week, not because we're just a church here, but because I actually believe that in him, he offers the life that we're searching for. In fact, he said these words, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If you like, the mission statement of Jesus is that folk like you and I, through encountering him, may experience a richer, more fulfilling and meaningful life, because that is what he came to give. We'll unpack that today. He, someone went on to write about him, in him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. In other words, there's something about Jesus that is unique to any other person or thing in this world. That in him internally internally is light that shines itself over human beings that gives us, if you like, and answers some of the deepest questions and longings of our world. You can't get that from anyone or anything else. You cannot buy it. If you like, Coca-Cola has reminded us. That's why we played it again this morning is that, that happiness is our birthright and that you can purchase us. And what we're saying over this last month is that actually it's not our birthright, life's hard, but actually what you can discover is that with Jesus, he actually answers some of those deepest, clearest longings of our life. In fact, when you learn to practice his way and follow him, you find that there is a challenging life, but it's enriching and it's fulfilling because he is the one who is the giver of life, which leads us this morning. To the last fuel that i want to talk about and i'm going to get there through gratitude because that's what this clip was all about about time it's a movie about time (laughs) your time my time our time imagine if you had this ability that you could go back in time and correct the things that you mess up wouldn't that be a great gift yeah i could imagine if you're a student here this morning That would be like manna from heaven. You would go, wow, I would always get 100% because I just keep going back, self-correcting, self-correcting, self-correcting. What a way, hey? Wouldn't that be a good gift, you know? Maybe not some people. But see, what they discovered in being able to go back and correct in time is that they learned to value the time that they did have right now. And so through the gratitude, if you like, so what they discovered about being able to go back is that they learned that to live each day as though it was your last day here on this earth, to take every encounter and every engagement and every interaction with the people in front of you, if you could cherish those things, if you could savor them, if you could actually look into someone's eyes and return a smile, if you could practice gratitude, then that is one of the key motherships, if you like to an enriching and fulfilling life. I like that. The Bible actually says these things, and that's why you reflected upon them at the start. Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Because our minds can go all to the worst places, And we can focus on the negative rather than seeing what we do have. And if I could add in a phrase and be thankful. Practice gratitude for what you do have rather than what you don't. Because we're told every day when we go out there by the community around about and all of the marketing schemes that you are a lesser if you don't have. Practice gratitude which is partly on the way to the fuel I want to talk about this morning because I think this begs the question, doesn't it? Have gratitude to whom? Thank whom? Doesn't that beg the question? Who am I going to be grateful to? Because usually we're grateful to something for something, right? We're grateful to someone for something. Someone gives you a present and you say, thank you for this, I am Thankful, I am grateful because of. Even if you're just, say, born here in Australia through no decision or choice of yourself, you might grow up in this community and say, I'm really thankful that I have been born. Who? Uh, there's something intuitive within us that wants to be grateful to someone for something. Isn't that right? What I want to suggest this morning is there's one thing that Jesus gives that no one else can give in this entire world, but intuitively, We look for someone or something to thank, and that is God, who is the creator and the maker of all things, who gives us one thing that this world longs for more than anything else, and that is hope. You see, Jesus, he went on and said these words, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, even though those who follow me will have trouble. But take heart, but take courage. I have overcome the world. You see, what Jesus promises when He lived and He died and He rose again is that there's something that He can afford to us that nothing else can, and that is hope. Our community's been rocked just this week by the tragic death of Phil Hughes. We can't go anywhere without hearing about the cricket ball that struck the head that caused the accident and there's been a death. And if you listen to any of the broadcasts, if you listen to any of the the, the radio commentary, there's this, this outpouring of grief and matched with also this sense in many places of hopelessness. I mean, it's intuitively in those times, isn't it, that we long for and look for something that might anchor us. And this is what Jesus offers in spades. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The promise of Jesus is simply this that when you place your trust in him, just as he came to life again from the dead, you too might experience a newness of life that reaches into eternity. Let me put it another way he gives hope in hopeless situations. Viktor Frankl, famous psychiatrist, wrote Man's Search for Meaning after being imprisoned in a number of concentration camps in Nazi Germany for a number of years. He observed as a doctor in those concentration camps in the midst of his suffering how different people responded to their suffering. And he concluded this after watching so many people live and die before his eyes. He said, there is something instinctive within human beings that long for and look for a future. And if they have that sense that there's something coming in my future, then it propels them, it, it, it actually fuels them to want to continue to live. He said, for instance, I would bump into people who would say, I have a loved one who's waiting for me on the other side of these walls. I have a loved one to return to when this war is over. That seemed to be the difference, he said, between some people who survived and those people who did not. He said, if there was someone who said, I have an unfinished project that I want to complete along the way, uh, then that would give them a fuel for going on. And then he spoke about a gentleman who had a dream. He said it was a dream in February 1945. He came to him a few weeks after the dream and he said to the doctor, that is, Victor Frankl. He said, I've had a dream in which a voice came to me and the voice came to me and said, what do you long for more than anything else? And he said, I long to be released from this imprisonment. He said, when? When will I be released? And he said, the voice came to me and he whispered the response to the doctor. He said, it whispered to me this This voice in my dream came to me and said, March 30th, you'll be free. He'd heard those words and as he observed this man over the next few weeks, he said as he observed that it became apparent to this man that he was going to stay in the concentration camp, that there was no change in circumstances, it became more apparent to him that the the, the information was sinking in, that that dream was not true. He said, the interesting thing I noticed in that concentration camp on the 29th of March, one day before the voice in the dream, he said the man took ill. He ran a temperature. He said on the 30th of March, the very next day, he became delirious. And on the 31st of March, he died. He said anyone else in the camp would have said he just died of typhus. But he said... I want you to know that what was robbed from him was hope, the fuel to go on. You see, my friends, here in this room and in our lives, there is one thing that we long for more than anything else that our world needs in hopeless situations is hope. If you like, it's the fuel that actually banners, that forces a canopy, if you like, around someone's life that undergirds everything else that says, at the end of the day, is there any hope? And Jesus answers quite profoundly by saying, yes. You see, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. In Jesus, you can know hope beyond the grave see, the Bible says it's appointed for a person to die once and then comes judgment. That's not a threat. That's just simply a spoken truth. And that you can choose, if you like, what you do with that information. But the promise of Jesus is simply this, that if you place your trust in him, that he will break the power of sin and death that hangs over our lives and over this world, and that he will welcome you into God's family, and that when you die, your life will go on and you will be with him and he will be with you in a new heavens, in a new earth. And that, my friend, is the fuel of hope that no one else or nothing else can give. In Jesus' famous sermon on the mountainside in Matthew chapter 5 to 7, he completes it by giving two illustrations to profoundly explain the choice that people can make. He said these words, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You see, in this world where we're thrown so many different opportunities for salvation... What will give us life? What will give us meaning? What will give us satisfaction? Jesus stands in the midst of that and he says, This there's two gates. One of them's really wide, and it's filled with people who will promise you the world, but they can't deliver you everything. There'll be tastes along the way that will be good to experience, but I tell you this if you want to know the life that I give that reaches into eternity, Because you are eternal beings. Then enter through the narrow gate. The gate is me. The gate is Jesus. The gate is what he has done for people like you and I. When he lived and he died and he rose from the grave. Jesus said, it's counterintuitive, but maybe where everyone else is heading isn't the answer. The life that I'm talking about is entered through the narrow gate. Now, you might be here this morning and you go, that's awfully narrow of Jesus. I don't like that. I want a broad gate. You know, one that we can all go on. Because at the end of the day, I want us all to be happy. Jesus says, I'm afraid I can't give you that option. Because you need to choose. I've come that you may have life. I'm not going to force it on you. I'm going to offer it to you. What will you do? Then after that, he gives another story that goes like this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, says Jesus, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Wait a second, Troy. I thought Jesus was all about love and goodness and just acceptance and embrace. What is he using words like this for? Because Jesus knows that there's a choice involved. A choice involved that every day that people like you and I can choose to either build our lives upon him as a rock in his words and put them into practice or not. It's up to you. Some people would say, you know, that Christianity stuff, (laughs) trust in Jesus and then get on with living your life. It just seems like an insurance policy for what comes next. Jesus actually refutes that because he uses the words like this follow me. Following Jesus isn't about just one momentary decision and then it's done and dusted, leave him be. It's actually a life living upon him as a rock. So let me ask you this this morning. Do you know that peace that only God can give? Because the fuel that I think Jesus offers more than any other fuel that undergirds my life is one that goes something like this. Because I've placed my trust in Jesus, I know where I'm going when I die. I know at the end of the day, I win. (laughs) That no matter how hard life gets, no matter how tough it is, that there is someone who's gone before me that has said, I have overcome the world. And when he says, I have overcome the world, he doesn't just mean I've overcome my little sphere of influence. He says, I've overcome the world everything. I've overcome sickness. I've overcome death. I have overcome sin. I have overcome evil. I have overcome the world. That, my friends, is good news. And what I find with that is that when I live a life following Jesus, there's this sense in which I'm ready to die. And now I'm ready to live even more fully because that's been taken care of. If you like, I live with hope. So that part of my life in following Jesus practices gratitude, not because I have to, but because I look to thank someone for something they have done for me. God has come in the person of his son Jesus to die for me so that I can know the hope that only he gives. And so I practice gratitude. Another word we call it is praise because of what God has done. My friends, do you know that peace that only God can give? My friends, do you know the fuel of hope, which I believe is foundational to a life that's meaningful and rich, That leads to not just momentary points of happiness, but a fuel which goes on forever. Craig and Cindy, they're going to come and they're going to play a song in the moment. And what I've brought with me here this morning is a bag. A bag of rocks. Can you feel the weight? Can you hear it? As I plunge my hand into this bag, I pull out a rock. It's not a soft rock, it's a smooth rock, but it's a solid rock. I wonder if you're here this morning and you've been rocked by the sense of hopelessness of a tragic event that's happened this week and it's caused you to think, where is my hope? In whom can I trust, and is there anything beyond the grave? And the answer Jesus gives in spades is yes. But you must choose. People don't stumble into the kingdom of heaven. They make a choice, a beginning choice and a daily choice to say, I trust my life in this man, Jesus. If you're here this morning And you are hearing the life of Jesus and the love of God poured out for you, and you have never chosen to follow him. But you're hearing the tug and the call of his voice in your life, and you do not know where you would go if tragedy befell you. Then you can know with assurance. Because you are placing your trust in Jesus. You're building your life upon him, the rock, in his words then what I would like you to do in a few moments' time is to get up out of your seat and come and take one of these rocks, plunge your hand into this bag and pull it out as a sign and a commitment to say, Jesus, I am trusting, I am choosing, I am deciding right here, this day, right now, to follow you. I want your fuel of hope that reaches in to eternity. You did it for me. You died for me, come into my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you have heard this message over and over so many times in your life that it's kind of lost meaning, but you have never made a choice yourself. You don't stumble into heaven because your parents believe in Jesus. You stumble into heaven because you have chosen to embrace Jesus yourself. What I would invite you to do is to get up out of your chair in a few moments and walk down the front here and plunge your hand in and take a rock because you're saying, I choose the fuel of hope Jesus gives. Maybe you're here this morning. You have stopped practicing gratitude. You have stopped practicing and saying, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for the fuel of hope that undergirds my life with you. And this morning, the most appropriate thing for you to do would be to hop up out of your chair and walk down the front and plunge your hand in this bag and take a rock with you and place it somewhere on a desk, in a car, in a workspace. For this month coming up to Christmas that you would say, my rock is Jesus, and every time I see this rock, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for what I have, not what I don't have. Thank you for who you are making me to be, not who I'm not. Thank you for life and for breath and for coming for me and for dying and for rising again. Thank you, because you've stopped practicing gratitude. sometimes we just forget the goodness of God that he came for you and I so this morning as Cindy sings and invites us to sing if you'd like to join with her what I invite you to do is to think about the letter box where we started this morning have you been waiting for the letter to come to make you happy have you been waiting for the next thing but all along the way You've forgotten a little bit of Jesus and who he is in your life and who he could be if today in this place you say, I choose him. As they sing, I'd invite you to hop up out of your chair, practicing gratitude. Come. Choosing this day who you will serve, the fuel of hope. Come.